everybody. Welcome to Our Town Stillwater. I'm Cheryl Pickens. And I'm Jonathan Udoka. And we are pleased to bring to you today Mayor Will Joyce, Stillwater, Oklahoma Mayor. We're going to get uh, the latest and the greatest, some of the uh, information from City Hall, if you will. Welcome, Will Joyce. Thanks for having me, Cheryl. You bet. We just want to kind of get caught up what's going on in your office. Um, we don't want to recreate the wheel, but how long have you been mayor of Stillwater, Will? Just over two years now. I was okay. uh, elected mayor in April of 2018. Very good. And you'd held another position. You were a council member before then? I was, yeah, since uh, okay. April of 2016. So I've been on the Very council good. now for four total years. Very good. And I know there are probably people who uh, don't pay attention to things until it becomes a thing. So how many other city council members are there? And then who else serves in that capacity? For people to, to understand how the city is run, I don't sure. mind giving just a little bit of a primer. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good thing to cover because you're right. There's not a lot of folks uh, who necessarily understand how all that works. But we have a five-person city council here in Stillwater. Uh, they're the other members right now. The vice mayor is Pat Darlington. And then we have Elaine Zanotti, John Wedlake, and Amy Jalowski as the five counselors. Everyone here is elected at large. There's no wards or anything like that in the city of Stillwater. Um, so each counselor is elected by the full city and represents the full city. Very good. And, and they're on, you're on rolling terms? Yes. Um, back in 2016, the charter was amended to move from three-year terms to four-year terms for every uh, counselor. And yeah, one is elected most years, and then uh, in occasional years, there's two seats open. Very good. And then we have a city manager. We do. Uh, Stillwater's a, a, a city manager council uh, type government, so it's a... Um, the city manager runs the day-to-day -day operations of the city. The council is all um, sort of the legislative branch. So we're the policymakers. We set the um, budget. We, we make policy and make law for the city. And then the, the city manager is sort of the executive branch. It carries out all of the, uh, the functions of the city. So, um, you know, some people think um, cities are run by mayors. But in Oklahoma, at least very few of them are actually what we call strong mayor systems. Uh, I think Tulsa is the only one that really comes to mind. There are a few other smaller cities that are, but uh, most cities are not actually run by the mayor. That's just a, um, you know, like I said, it's kind of the chairman of the board position uh, when it comes to the city of Stillwater. Can you Very go good. into that a little bit more? So how, what does it mean to be a strong mayor system and how does that differ here? What, what are the details of that? So in Tulsa, for instance, um, Mayor G.T. Bynum is a strong mayor, so he is the, the sort of CEO of the city. He runs the day-to-day -day operations of the city of Tulsa um, and then is the chair of, of their, um, their city council as well. Um, and so, you know, that's his full-time job. He's paid a full-time salary to do that job. In our city and in most cities like ours that are council manager form, uh, the, the mayor and the counselors are all just either part-time or, or volunteer in Stillwater. Uh, each counselor is paid $50 for each regular meeting uh, that they attend. Uh, so that's usually two, sometimes three in a given month. Um, as the mayor, I get twice as much money as the council does. So I get $100 per meeting that I show up to uh, in a given month. So over the course of a year, it works out to a couple thousand bucks uh, in terms of what, what uh, our counselors and mayor are paid here. Um, you know, places like Oklahoma City even are our council manager system. So the mayor of Oklahoma City makes $25,000 a year, I think. 
uh, to, to be the mayor of that city. Wow. wow. Well, and then you can't go, you can't get this far without then acknowledging the wonderful staff that works at the city of Stillwater and how then whenever, you know, the, the council makes the law and, and the city manager, you know, makes it happen, he's got a whole bunch of people uh, working there on staff that are, in my opinion, very uh, qualified and, and conscientious. So we're, you know, now I'm on a soapbox. I think we got a great bunch of people in place and that's to be noted. Yeah, absolutely. Our city staff does a great job. They're um, they are full-time you know, managers and workers uh, you know, that run everything from the utilities authority here in Stillwater to police and fire, um, all of our sort of engineering and, and that sort of stuff is done by city staff. Uh, it's around 500 or so uh, active staff right now in the city of Stillwater. Um, and that's a, you know, it's a great team. A lot of people who, who do a lot of great work. Well, what um, kind of switching gears a little bit, so you said you served before on the council before becoming mayor. You didn't just jump right into that. What got you interested in city government and kind of serving in this uh, volunteer capacity? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, just as a, you know, I'm from Stillwater originally, grew up here. I went uh, to law school in St. Louis and lived up there for about 10 years after college. Um, so when my wife and I came home uh, with our four kids, we were, you know, I was going to be active in, in, local issues. I got, um, you know, I think the first board I served on when I came back was the Wondertorium because uh, my kids spent a ton of time there uh, when we first moved back and it seemed like a really uh, great organization to try to support. So I, I got involved and was active in, in different things around town and um, I'm the kind of guy who, you know, if, if something's happening, I'm probably going to have an opinion about it. I'm going to want to have a say you know, about what's happening. And so it just, it just made sense to kind of get involved in, in a variety of things. Uh, the council back in 2015 had an opening when, um, I guess when Gina Noble was first elected mayor, uh, her seat became open and they appointed somebody and I applied for that position back then. Um, Elaine Zanotti was the right person <laughs> that they chose at the time, uh, which was great. But I, I then, uh, one of the other counselors, when their seat was up, the following year asked if I'd be interested in running. Um, and so I ran for that election in 2016. Very good. All right. So Stillwater's growing and I know everybody's been thinking about the census and unfortunately because of the way things are uh, playing out uh, statewide and nationally, some folks are anxious that our census numbers aren't going to be where they need to be. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> So why did that matter? I mean, yeah, we all want whatever we want, but tell mm -hmm. us why we want to reach 50,000, what that means for us economically or federally or whatever. Sure. So um, the sense is important, you know, no matter what the number is, right, in terms of just getting an accurate count of uh, the city population, because it does determine uh, a lot of uh, very important things, including our representation at the federal level. Uh, it, it um, determines our representation at the state level, right? So how many seats we get in the legislature that, that represent our area will be determined by census counts. Mm -hmm. uh, it also determines a lot of funding mechanisms. So, you know, we've heard a lot in, in the last few weeks uh, with, with uh, federal stimulus money uh, out there right now uh, over the pandemic. Uh, and the way that gets distributed in most cases, especially to small cities like ours, uh, are through block grant programs, um, which are very, um, 
clearly based on population numbers. And so the availability of that funding for us is, is dependent on what our population numbers are. Uh, and so we need those accurate numbers because, you know, the concern I think we have a lot in Stillwater is that with a student population that's in and out and with a large number of folks who come use our town on a regular basis from the surrounding area, um, you know, we provide services for many more people than actually are counted as residents of Stillwater. So the, the streets here, the, the public safety aspects, um, you know, infrastructure concerns uh, are all, I think, serving a larger population than certainly than are just specifically counted in our census numbers. And so we need those to be as accurate as possible uh, so that we're able to get uh, as much of that funding as possible in, in order to serve the people that are here. And okay, how long is the census open? So that's a good question. <laughs> We're not sure at this point this year. Uh, normally what happens and what would have happened under a, a, a sort of a, a normal year or normal census year at least is by now you would actually have census takers walking around checking all the addresses that they haven't had responses from yet. Um, there's the, the sort of self-response, whether it's by mail or online. Uh, and then census, the Census Bureau has a, has a collection of all the addresses, at least the residential addresses that they know of in Stillwater. And if they don't get a self-response from that address, they'll walk around with a census taker and go check um, to make sure they count everybody. They're not doing that yet, uh, given um, the state of the, the health uh, of the, the nation at this point. Uh, and it's not really clear when that's going to start. I saw that they were starting that back up a little bit in uh, some areas of the country, including a couple of locations here in Oklahoma, but not here in Stillwater yet. So, uh, you know, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how long they're able to push um, the, the count out um, for, you know, for our purposes at this point, it is still open. Uh, Self-response is still open. Uh, if you've received something in the mail, you can respond by mail uh, and you can go to my2020census.gov and respond online. Very good. Nice. I, will, I will say just just kind of as an aside there that, you know, our concern, one of our concerns is that when census takers come to walk around in Stillwater in a normal, even in a normal year, uh, lots of times that wouldn't really happen until after college graduation. Uh, and so, you know, if a college student living in a, an apartment here in town doesn't respond online, that census taker may not come around until June 1st. And then that student may have already moved or that group of students may have already moved. And if that apartment is you know, vacant for a month or two in the middle of the summer, like many of them might be here in Stillwater, uh, then we've missed that count. Right. Even though in August, someone will be living there. Uh, and so it's it's problematic. And then again, with the with the, the closing of the university for the covid problem, um, you know, that's an even that's exacerbated even more. Right. So those those folks who might have been here when census takers came around to count in person, uh, probably won't in this year. So we're we're trying to figure out with the Census Bureau how we're going to make sure that count is accurate. And you used a term um, referring to the folks who live in the smaller towns around us. You said, use our town. Yeah. And that's true. I mean, if you want to go to Walmart and you live in Perkins, mm -hmm. you use all the infrastructure of Stillwater to get to Walmart. Yep. And so, you know, that's, that's another layer that, that I don't think of, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in Perkins a lot, you know, I have a house in Perkins. So I go to Walmart and I'm, I'm crossing that, you know, Stillwater line. And so that's what, that is very important that you get all the people who can respond yeah. and that helps a, 
accommodate those who are outside the city limits. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, you know, like you said, it's, it's the service area is much bigger than the general population. And if the general population isn't fully counted, then that's just another, you know, another group of uh, people who, who are not, you know, being counted when it comes absolutely. to providing those, those services. So what's the, I've heard a little bit about this, but I don't know enough to even form a intelligent question, but what's the <laughs> friction between growing the boundaries of the city? Um, through like um, uh, annexation? Right. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> that's a pretty, it's a complicated question and one that goes back um, a ways even before, you know, before I was in, involved here, but um, you know, what's, what's funny, I don't know if you've ever read, there's a book out there about Oklahoma City called Boomtown, uh, which if you haven't read it, you absolutely should. It's a really cool uh, history of Oklahoma City. And one of the, the really interesting parts of it was, was Oklahoma City's huge expansion in, let's say, the 50s and 60s, probably, maybe even later than that, um, where Oklahoma City just started annexing every possible piece of land it could annex um, and became, you know, I think the city is still like one of the top five largest by land area cities, uh, certainly in the country, maybe even in the world, because it's got such huge boundaries. And at that point, because people got frustrated, the state of Oklahoma started making it harder for cities to annex uh, land on their peripheral periphery. Um, and then even a few years later after that, into, into the 90s and 2000s, there were some more state laws that were passed that made it harder for cities to annex property basically by requiring that the city provides infrastructure to those annex to that annex land within a certain time frame, even if that infrastructure is not going anywhere, right? So if we annex a piece of land, we've got to have sewer, um, power, all the sort of same city services, water that we would serve anywhere else out to that, out to that new, newly annexed piece of land, uh, which makes it you know, pretty, pretty costly for the city to annex land. The other piece that goes into that is, of course, the fact that in Oklahoma, we are uh, the only state in the union that does not um, afford cities the ability to use property taxes for any sort of operational upkeep. So if we go annex a piece of land and put a, a meter on it for water or power, we get uh, that revenue, but we don't get any other revenue off of that piece of land, right? There's no new property tax that's generated, which you know you would see in other places that the cities expand partly because they want, you know, they can now receive that property tax revenue. We don't get that. And so annexation and extending the boundaries of the city um, is not really in the economic interest of the city as a, as a you know, as an entity. Um, you know, people building a house or, or subdivision outside the, the city limits um, if those people are all going to be coming into Stillwater and shopping and spending their sales tax money here because it's the closest place to do that, then from an economic standpoint, the city, it doesn't really matter that that much uh, to the city, whether they're inside or outside the limits. Now for population counts and, you know, for census numbers and that sort of thing, there's certainly some effect there. But uh, it's really complicated about, you know, in, in that question of whether the city needs to expand its limits. Um because in, in some ways, at least, it's not particularly economically beneficial to the city to do that. That's a great topic. And, you know, you would think you would think more land, more more space would be more revenue. But it's good to hear the backside of that. And isn't that how issues are? You know, I get in my mind what I think mm -hmm. is right. And then when I hear, oh, there's another side. And I had no idea that you would have to 
consider all those things. Why don't you just go and, you know, annex that land and yeah. be done with it. But yeah. that's why. Yeah. That's a, I mean, and, and you know, it's it, economically, there's those questions. And then there's also, like I said, the, the, the requirements that the state has around, you know, that used to be like when Oklahoma city was doing it, they didn't really even have to have permission. They just basically go say, okay, that land's now in Oklahoma city. Um, you know, now that requires a, a certain amount of landowners to, to consent and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So um, yeah. it's a, it's a complicated issue. And, and it's one that, um, really, like I said, from a city perspective, there's not a lot of incentive for us to go out and just say, hey, okay, let's just start gobbling up land. Right, right. Okay, so rolling that on into thinking about sales tax revenue, that's how, I mean, do you have a percentage of the city budget is run by X percent of sales tax? So sales tax is the the major portion of um, operational funding for the city. So we're gonna break down general fund operations. That includes things like paying police and fire. It includes sort of the oper you know, keeping maintenance on streets and, and infrastructure um, is is done with, with general operations funding. Um, uh, the opposite, or the not the opposite, but the, the other thing that we would have other than general operations funding would be capital expenditures. Right. So going and building a new street or going and, you know, building a new building or doing something that requires the city to build a capital asset. Uh, that money, um, I mean, it, it can come out of the general fund budget uh, through sales tax. But in normal operations, you would try to, to borrow that for, through a general obligation bond. And that is the one portion where the city can put some property tax on its you know people that live within the city limits if the city of Stillwater voted to say, okay, we're willing to to put a bond in place that would allow for $20 million, which I think was the the amount of the last bond we passed here in Stillwater, which was in 2000, 1999, 2000. Uh, one of those years was the last time the city passed an obligation bond. Uh, and that was to, to build a new police station, the city jail, and to remodel city hall. Um, th so that, that was uh, done with a property tax bond that I think I think is retired uh, this year or next year. Um, so there's still a couple mills on there that are paying for that. But um, so city budget generally sales tax provides around 30, some 32, 33, 34 million dollars in that range in terms of, of income. Um, that's not really enough to do all of the general obligation to do all the general maintenance and, and um, operations that the city needs. Uh, more than half of that is spent just on public safety by itself on on uh, police and fire. Uh, so the city, the the other thing that the city of Stillwater does have uh, that is helpful, very helpful, is is being a public power community and owning its own power utility and water and and wastewater and all that sort of thing. So our public power utility is able to charge slightly more than it costs to provide that power and generate profit, which then the utilities authority can transfer back over to the city to, to subsidize uh, some of those uh, city services that can't be paid for out of sales tax. So with that in mind, I mean, obviously lots of sales, uh, lots of retail hurting right now. Mm -hmm. um, what, I mean, you've talked about it a lot in council meetings and things like that, but kind of what's the, uh, you know, with this current health crisis, what's the outlook uh, or what, what's been, the trend in the last couple months and what's the outlook and I'm 
I'm always interested to wonder, is, is marijuana evening us out at all? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question. Um, so I'll say this, I'll start here. Um, up until, so we just published, I think, February sales tax numbers. So the way that sales tax, you know, a transaction that happens in February is reported in March. So the retailer then takes that money in March and sends it to the state. Uh, the state uh, tax commission collects that sales tax and then they, you know, do their magic on it because part of that state money, part of that's county money, part of that city money, all that sales tax. And then they tell us in April how much sales tax we got for the month of February. Um, and so we got those numbers and, and really through February, January, December of last year, uh, our sales tax numbers were, were trending very well. We, we were seeing good. Uh, expansion in our sales tax. Um, I think I can't remember right now off the top of my head, but I think we were up seven, eight uh, percent year over year in February, um, which is which was great news. <laughs> I think we were seeing uh, an expansion, um, which helps uh, to kind of get us. We were above budget uh, through that part of the year. Um, we don't really know what uh, March's numbers look like. Yet uh, we know they're down, but we don't think they're uh, we're, we don't think they're going to be terribly down for March. We were only kind of shut down for about two weeks, less than two weeks in March. Um, there was also a fairly big run on uh, you know people hoarding Toilet things. Paper. Honestly, yeah, I mean the 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 cost the the collections I think at places like Walmart and Lowe's were were above average even for when it was shut down. So that will help. Um, April is going to be the really um, problematic uh, time and then going forward from here on, um, you know, I, I really don't know. We've seen estimates from, you know, 40 to 50 to even 60% reduction in sales tax revenue in April. Um, I'm, I'm optimistic that it won't be that bad, um, but it's hard to say. I, I would say the, you know, certainly there were some industries that were open during this time, including marijuana dispensaries and liquor stores and that sort of thing where you, you I think that they were doing more business than they had been before that. Um, the marijuana sales tax bump is, uh, I think, noticeable. You can see it, but it's it's not like we're going to be able to go build a, a new park because of the, the marijuana you know sales tax revenue. Um, it will help. It will help us even out, you know, during this time. But it, it's not a, it's not a windfall by any means. It's certainly a, a new, a new industry, and there's money being generated there. But um, it's hard to say that it would be a, a huge spike for us. Gotcha. Do we do we see any of the uh, sales tax from online purchases? Is that are, is it was that's been a thing for what now a year or two? But is it yes. visible? Uh, I think it is. It's starting to be. So that gets reported in the what we get from the state is our sales tax numbers, which is brick and mortar retail sales tax collections. And then we get use tax um, and use tax. We've, we've always gotten use tax. It's it's charged when you buy. I mean, you're supposed to report use tax. Like if I go to St. Louis and buy um, a couch and bring it back here, um, I didn't pay sales tax on that item here. Um, or if I ordered it online, let's say that, and I didn't, you know, we used to order something from the Sears catalog, right? You didn't get charged sales tax because it was in one state and I'm in another. Well, I was supposed to report that um, use tax and say, well, I brought it into the state and I'm using this thing here. And so I'm supposed to, to pay that same 
basically that same sales tax rate. It just it's just called use tax in that scenario. Uh, so with the online laws changing and allowing the state to collect uh, sales tax on online purchases, uh, it's still reported in that use tax bucket. So we've been paying attention to our use tax collections. They certainly have been up um, over the last few months. Um, but again, I don't think it really has ever hit the number that we thought it was going to, or we thought it might based on the amount of online purchasing that, that we you know, assume happens here in Stillwater. Uh, the other thing it's hard to, to sort of do the math on is that a lot of like construction materials are actually subject to use tax. And so when, um, you know, someone's building a new apartment building in town and they're bringing construction materials in, there's use tax that gets charged on a lot of those materials if they don't buy them here in the city. Um, and so with those kinds of projects, there's use tax and it, and we don't really get a good breakdown, um, of exactly where all that came from. And so, it's sometimes hard to tell exactly which, you know, development or which industry is really causing uh, a greater collection at any given time. On that topic, <laughs> not to hijack the, the meeting, but um, the way the state of Oklahoma collects and distributes sales tax is uh, very difficult when it comes to trying to determine what the heck's going on in your city. Uh, we get a monthly total. Um, and that's it. So don't really know how it got to that number. If you you know, people ask me, well, how big is it? How big of an economic driver is homecoming in Stillwater? Well, I don't really know because we get an October number. Um, you know, homecoming is generally in October. October is generally one of our better, if not best, months in a, on a year-to-year basis. Uh, usually, there's at least a couple home football games, and there's homecoming in there. But I don't have a week-to-week number. I can't tell you, you know, what part of town more money was collected from on any given week. Uh, we don't get any of that data, um, and and retailers aren't required to to submit it that way, right? They just submit one monthly. Here's my sales tax for the month. Uh, so we we don't really get. It's like trying to run a business without having a, a real handle on where your revenue comes from, right? I mean, you get just money, and you go, well, how did we make that? Because we had extra football games. Did we make that because you know, there was you know some particular retail thing that happened that month. Uh, it's it's really difficult for us to to do any kind of analysis on where the money comes from and why. As a follow up to kind of, we're looking at you know February was still strong, March we're probably having a dip, April mm-hmm. we can expect a dip. Um, but there are several projects and uh, initiatives that were already in place. We had the you know the TIF is a different funding pot. Mm-hmm. We have um, the uh, approval to to consult with uh, the vibrant community partners, uh, of course, very various chamber uh, economic development projects uh, mm-hmm. in process. Um, is there anything you can share on what's what's still going on? What's what's uh, still moving forward? Um, so all that stuff that you just mentioned is. I mean, we we certainly still have development projects. I mean, one of the things that we um, have been working on for a few months now is the attempting to redevelop the um, the old city power plant at Boomer Lake. Uh, we put an RFP out, a request for proposals out uh, a few months back to, to see if we could get somebody who would come in and, and do kind of an adaptive reuse of that old power plant. Um, we did select one of those plans and we're still we're continuing to work with that developer to try to get that project going. Um, 
you know, it's it's difficult, right? Because it's a uh, it's a it would be a big project. Uh, there would, you know, potentially be some investment or some some incentives that the city w- would potentially contribute to that. But given the city's economic condition and the, un- the the sort of unknowns about the city's economic condition right now, um, you know, that's that's slowed that down a little bit. But those conversations are still happening, We're still working to see development like that uh, happen here. There are other uh, projects that the chamber has been working on for several months, if not years that are continuing uh, to move forward. Um, you know, we just renewed our contracts with the chamber who does economic development work for the city uh, with Visit Stillwater that does visitor development work. You know, we, we wanted to, we've been cutting spending from a, from a city perspective as much as we can and restricting uh, purchases to, you know, true necessary items. Uh, but we also wanted to continue to invest in those services because getting visitors back to Stillwater, getting businesses sort of back up and running, continuing new economic development projects is such a huge uh, need as we go forward in recovery from uh, from the pandemic that uh, you know we've got to keep investing in those things. Have you got a good feel for um, those businesses who were completely shut down to, you know, are, are, are most of them opening? Are half of them opening? Are, are there some that are super cautious and truly want to wait until everybody else opens first and then wait mm-hmm. 14 days? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a good feel for it. I think... Um I think most of the the sort of restaurant and um, retail uh, businesses seem to be, you know, a lot of them, restaurants were still doing curbside. Uh, A lot of retail was doing some curbside delivery or doing some shipping. Um, So they were never, a lot of those weren't totally shut down at any point. Um, But I I think most of them that have been allowed to go back to either restaurant seating or, um, you know, in-person shopping have, have opted to do that and they're working in that direction. There's certainly some personal care places that I think haven't opened back up yet, just, you know, based on their own um, judgment. Uh, but I, I think most of the places that are, you know, that, that were, that were asked to shut down are working to kind of get back up and running at this point, um, you know, which is a, a great thing. I know there's a couple folks that, um, you know, may not make it back uh, at all. Um, and that is, um, really unfortunate. Um, but you know, we're, we're seeing signs of life and we're seeing more activity. Um, you know, but we are seeing those businesses, I think do a, do a great job with doing that cautiously. We've only got uh, probably a couple of minutes. I'm not sure exactly, uh, when this thing's going to hang up on us, but, um, obviously, you know, made national news lately. Uh, but do you have any sense of, uh, or any message of, you know, how we can really build community and work together and, uh, you know, get to the other side of this thing and get back to work. Yeah, I mean, the national news stuff around our, you know, mass requirements and people who are objecting to that, uh, I think got a little, I don't know, overblown is probably not the right word, but the, the story got a little off track. Um, you know, we, we haven't had major problems in Stillwater. We haven't had, you know, armed protesters we you know those incidents that happened uh you know when we when we kind of went to the mask thing uh last week were, were really just people mad at store employees and we didn't really want to put store employees out in in front of those folks if we didn't have to uh and so we we sort of you know re refigured the plan uh, on the fly but 
so the store community has been great. Uh, they really have. And we've gotten tons and tons of support. We've gotten, I mean, our numbers, I think, would reflect how well the store community has done. I mean, we, we haven't had a new case in several days. Uh, we, we still, no one in Stillwater uh, has, has died from COVID uh, at this point, uh, which is great. And I think it's a reflection of how well the community has done at trying to work together to keep each other safe. So I'm I'm very optimistic about uh, our recovery and how people will continue to come out of that. Well, thank you for uh, sitting in the hot seat during this pandemic. Uh, nobody in leadership anywhere signed up for what they've received in the past two months, but we want to applaud everybody for uh, standing up and and getting more information than any of us could even imagine ingesting. Um, so. There's always um, more information to be gained on every side of it. So I appreciate you guys learning what you can and, and making those decisions um, and taking the heat whenever uh, a minority doesn't agree. So, I mean, that's the, the beauty, I guess, of our of our country is that we are yeah. free to disagree. So we want to extend our gratitude, even if we uh, don't always see things eye to eye. We appreciate all the information that you guys get and bring to your decision making. And we would love it if you would uh, pass that on to those that you work with. Absolutely. I will. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that, Cheryl. It's, it's definitely been a, a baptism by fire uh, to try to figure out how to deal with all of this stuff. Uh, and you're right. I don't think anybody in the country was, was really prepared to, to deal with it at this scale. So uh, I will pass that along, um, and I share your your gratitude for especially our staff, uh, who has just been fantastic uh, dealing with very challenging times. Very good. All right, Jonathan, do you have anything else you want to ra- wrap up with? I think that's it. I'll just echo, you know, those thanks. And, uh, yeah, I can't imagine um, yeah, needing to go through all that information and make those tough decisions. So, uh, again, just thanks to, to everyone. Uh, kind of in that chain of command and taking on that leadership uh, in an impossible time. Thank you. That's right. Well, well, very good. Well, we have appreciated everyone watching and listening to Our Town Stillwater. This has been Cheryl Pickens and Jonathan Udoka. And we've got Chris Peters behind the scenes. So we appreciate all of you uh, hanging out with us for a little bit. And we'll be back again with Our Town Stillwater. Yay. Awesome. Good job, guys. That's a wrap. Thanks, all. Wrap, wrap. Yep. No. All right, now Thanks. I get to edit all this together. That's it. We're going to let Chris do his magic. Yeah. Hey, none of us cuss. None of us huh? cuss. Um, <laughs> should. You totally should. That would be a. Oh. No. I haven't Uh-oh. seen that. Touch, Will. Appreciate it. All right. <laughs>